this morning. I did have one update uh, that I was asked to share with you. Uh, if you could pull out your prayer ministry sheet. And on the right side, a uh, co-worker of Steve Bordner, Kim Copenhaver, says that he is doing better in remission after pancreatic cancer. Steve told me today that he is back in the hospital, um, filling with fluid, and they can't do anything until the fluid is removed. So our prayer this morning is that the Lord would work to remove that fluid so they're able to continue his treatment. Um, very particular prayer. And I would ask that, that we all lift up Kim this morning together. Um, let's go to the word, the, the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we are so thankful for your love for us, a love beyond our comprehension. We don't want to go back. Father, as the weavers just sang, we are pushing forward. We are pressing on for that home shore one day. Lord, we think of Kim right now and the battle that he is fighting with pancreatic cancer. Lord, you know the outcome. Lord, you know what will happen if, if nothing changes in his life. But Lord, we come before you on behalf of Kim this morning. Father God, we're requesting that you would remove that fluid from his body, that they're able to continue his treatment. Because you are a good, good father. And you are the great physician. And healing comes from you and from you alone. Lord, there are many other requests this morning on our sheet, requests that, that have not been mentioned, requests that might be weighing heavy on the hearts of the brothers and sisters here this morning. God, you know them. You know our thoughts, our words, our cries. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would hear them. Father, you are a good Good Father, and we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
stand with us. He's a good father. You're a good, good father. Sure you are. Sure you are. Sure you are. And I'm done by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are Brother, even though you 
into our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today is a new day. It will bring brand new blessings and brand new battles. But within every uncertainty, there is hidden possibility. So I don't dread any challenge that lies ahead because I remember all the victories behind. And my confidence is not in my circumstance. The Spirit of God is my supply. I'm steady under pressure and I'm ready for whatever because whatever comes my way today, the outcome is I overcome. Christ is in me. I am enough. I can handle it. I can't afford to stay afraid or let my faith hesitate. My purpose is at stake. And he who called me is faithful. His strength in me is greater than any pain I feel or enemy I face. The promise of God is mine for the taking. Every plan he has made is guaranteed to come to pass. It will happen. If I don't back down, if I won't let go, it will happen. If I don't stop short, if I won't sell out, it will happen by faith. But faith doesn't take the fear away. It teaches me to fight it. So bring the battle. I'm ready now. I got something for Goliath. I can handle it. My power flows from presence. So I won't stay stuck in what was or worry about what will be. My regrets have been redeemed and my tests have become my lessons. My focus is fixed and my heart is expected. I'm set. I'm not nervous about what's next because my eyes are on the throne. I trust the one who's in complete control, the one who already knows how he's going to work it according to his purpose. Even the worst situations are sure to turn in my favor. If I keep moving forward, keep moving toward him, God is with me in this moment. And whatever happens, I can handle it. I know my help comes from above. So if fear insists on knocking, I'll meet it at the door. Life might give me bad news, but 
But I still got a good report. I can handle it. If I fall, if I fail, I'll handle it. Grace will give me what it takes to carry on. I can handle it. I have humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. Christ is in me. I am enough. And when the time is right, he'll lift me up. Till then, the lion may roar, but I see his leash. So I keep moving forward, because I've been down before, but my hope knows how to bounce back from rock bottom. What I need, God's got it. And I'm stronger. I'm better. It's Adam. I'm ready. I'm focused. I'm hopeful. No hiding. I'm ready. I'm stronger. I'm better. It's Adam. I'm ready. Have you ever been in a situation before in your life that seemed impossible? Seemed impossible. Seemed like there was no way that you could handle it. There was a man by the name of Jack. He was walking uh, along a steep cliff one day, and uh, he accidentally got too close, and he fell. And as he was falling off the, the cliff, he uh, grabbed a branch, hence the picture. And he grabs onto this branch, and he's holding on. He's holding on because he looks down below him, and, and to his fear, he sees a canyon that maybe goes down 1,000 feet. So Jack begins thinking, to himself, there's no way out of here. I can't climb up. It's too steep. I can't hold on for much longer. I just can't do it. So, so what do I do now? And he begins to yell, help. Help, is anybody up there? And he continued on for a while. No one heard him. And he was about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack. Jack, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you. Who, who is it? Who's up there? I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes. Yes, I'm okay. I'm okay, but I'm, but I'm hanging on. Who is this? I am the Lord, Jack. I can see everything, and I am everywhere. The Lord. Is he hanging on? You, you mean God? You mean God? This is, this is God? That's me, Jack. God, please help me. Please help me. I'm hanging on for dear life. I will change my life. I will follow you. Everything that you want me to do, I will do. I will turn from my ways, and I will follow you. Let's slow down on the promises, Jack, and then we'll get you up and we can talk. But you have to trust me. God, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Let go of the branch, Jack. 
let go of the branch. A little bit of time passes. And Jack says, help! Is there anybody else up there? We don't always want to let go, do we? When God tells us to let go. That story, while it's funny and, and we laugh, it's so true sometimes in our lives. God says, listen, trust me. I've got you. I've made a promise to you. Trust me. And we say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm hanging on. Because hanging on to this branch with one finger is, has to be better than letting go and trusting. <laughs> because I'm in control with one finger. Do you believe today this next statement? A man by the name of George Mueller. Look at that beard. That is a good beard. He says this, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Do you believe that? Do you believe that faith begins where our power ends? Because we really don't have that much power in life, do we? I mean, we can't go outside and tell the wind to stop blowing. Because some of these days would have been really nice without this crazy wind. We can't go out and tell the rain to stop raining. And that group that went up to fish camp, they can't tell the snow to stop snowing, right? It's supposed to snow up there, right? And, and we know, we've tried sometimes to tell the snow to stop snowing, haven't we? Snow, go away. We can't do anything about that. It's not in our control. I remember when I was a little kid, we would go to the ocean. We didn't get to go to the ocean very often because in Bolivia, there was no ocean, right? It was a landlocked country. So um, when we would go to the ocean, it was a very special time. And I was probably five, six, seven, somewhere around there. And I remember walking out into the waves, and the waves are um, just slamming against the shore. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go up to the waves, and I'm going to tell them to stop. I'm going to tell them to stop. And I remember walking up to the waves, I'm this little guy, you know, and I, I hold my hand, stop, waves, and I'd fall down. And it washed me to the shore, and I'd get back up, and I'd go back out, and I'd say, stop, waves, it would wash over. We don't have that much power in life. Faith begins where man's power ends. As Mr. Mueller says. If you could open your Bibles with me this morning to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. I'll begin reading. Now, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and to its king as he had done to Jericho. And its king, and the peace that, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city. Like one of the royal cities, it was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoam, king of Hebron, and Piram, king of Jarmuth, and Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. 
Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, of Hebron, of Jarmuth, of Lachish, and of Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, this is important, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Haran, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makedah. As they fled before Israel on the road, down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and, move, and moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down for about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Where does your faith lie? Who is your faith in? Is it in your own abilities? In your own talents? One of the things I love about the video clip that I showed earlier, and please don't misinterpret what it's saying. When he says, I can handle it, he is not referring to his own power. As he says many times throughout the video, the Holy Spirit is my supply. Christ is in me. The only way that we are able to handle anything is because Christ is in us. Because Christ is in us. We can only handle it because our God is greater than all. Not because of us but because of him. Where does your faith lie? Joshua had the faith to ask the sun to stand still. That would uh, mess up daylight savings, I'm pretty sure, for a while. The sun to stand still and the moon to stop. And it happened for almost a full day. We'll get into that in a minute. But where does your faith lie? In Matthew chapter 17, we see a story of the disciples who are trying to heal a demon-possessed boy. Matthew 17, you can follow it on the screen with me behind me. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. 
Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said, he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus answers their question in a very simple way. The disciples are so confused as to why they cannot cast the demon out of the spirit, the demon out of the boy. And Jesus answers very simply, because you don't have the faith to do it. That's a tough thing to hear. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move from here to there. And it will move. Now, it's important to realize something. I'm not saying, and please don't, don't think this this morning, that if you're sick and you're not healed, it's because you don't have the faith. That's not what I'm saying. Or if you have been praying for a loved one who is in the hospital and sick and they are not healed and the Lord takes them home, that you didn't have the faith. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there's a season for everything. See, everything that happens has to be according to God's will and God's plan. And sometimes, sometimes we have faith in things that maybe are not according to God's plan. And the answer is no. And that's a difficult thing to hear. But it's reality. But we are seeing something here. Something very important. There are things that we are not able to do because we don't have the faith to do them. There are things we are not able to do because we do not have the faith to do them. Because we do not believe that God can or will do it. See, we want, we want God to do things according to my plan and my situation and my circumstance and my future goals and my family and my scenario at my job instead of having our faith based on what he wants. And his plan. There's a man by the name of William McDonald that writes a uh, Bible commentary. And uh, he just does a great job in everything he writes. But here's what he says. Faith is to be based on the promises of God. Our faith is based on the promises of God. What is he saying? He's saying, basically, if I have faith that God is going to give me a 70-inch 4K UHD TV that I can put up in my living room, right, to watch the Eagles and Steelers lose every week and bring lots of joy to my heart, that's, that's my own faith. It's called a selfish presumption. It's based on me, not based on God's promises, not based on what God has said or what God has told me while it might bring joy to my life. It's not something to have faith in because it's a selfish presumption. See, our faith is to be based on the promises of God. Remember when I said it was important to catch what was being said in Joshua chapter 10, where the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. God promises Joshua, I have delivered them to you today. He makes a promise. And God has made promises in our lives as well. And Joshua takes this promise. He goes onto the battlefield, and for whatever reason that he wanted to ask the sun and the moon to stop, God honored that request. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us why. Maybe it's because darkness was coming and they would lose the advantage, or, or maybe they didn't want to lose the momentum, or they thought they would lose enemy soldiers. Whatever the request was, God honored it. 
because of Joshua's faith, because of his faith. William McDonald says one more thing. He says, if God hurls a believer in a certain direction or he issues a command, the Christian can have the utmost confidence that mountainous difficulties will be miraculously removed. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. But in the beginning, I think it's important to catch this. If God hurls a believer in a certain direction or issues a command, all of our faith is based on the promises of God. My faith is not based on my wants. My faith is based on God's promises. might be my desire. I might have the, the desire for something that God promises, which is how it should be. Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Maybe you've heard of Charles Spurgeon before. He had a grandfather, and his grandpap's name was James, James Spurgeon. And James was also a preacher. James was also a preacher. But he had a very large family, and he had a very small income. And one day, just out of nowhere, the family cow died, which was where they got all their milk from. And James's wife became very concerned, as most of us would be, when all of a sudden their source of milk is gone. They don't have any money. What are they supposed to do? And James tells her something very particular. He said that God said he would provide. And I believe that he could send us 50 cows if he pleased. James didn't know that the same day that their cow died, there was a group that was meeting in London. This group was gathering together to raise money for poor pastors and send that out to help with their ministry and their family. And as the men sat and they were meeting in London, they went down a list and crossed off names as they divided different monies to those names. And they get to the bottom and they had five pounds left. Not five pounds of money, five English pounds just in case. Five pounds which during that time would have been a lot of money. They said, let's give it to James. Someone over here says, no, 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 no let's not give him five. I'm going to add to that. And he gives five more. And somebody else says, no, I, I want to add to it too. And it continued. And the day after the family cow died, James Spurgeon received 20 pounds in the mail to cover the needs for his family. Did those people know that his cow died? Probably not. But God knew. And James had faith that God would provide according to the promise of God in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Our faith is not in our desires, but in God's promises that he is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Where does your faith lie? Joshua chapter 10 speaks of a tremendous battle. Gruesome. While it doesn't go into much detail, we know how battle was during that time. We also see another miracle happen in Joshua chapter 10 that sometimes skipped over where, where the Lord uh, sends hailstones down, right, to kill the Amorites. That's a pretty powerful thing. But there's something very particular that I would like to mention. Joshua gathered his army, and they marched, the Bible says, through the night. 
That's a long march. They then fought the longest battle during the day in history. Why? Because the sun stood still in the sky for about a day. Right? So they marched all night, no break, no rest. They caught them by surprise and then fought for what would be equivalent to two days of fighting. Can you imagine how exhausted they must have been? And how, how motivated and excited they must have been at the end when the Lord delivered victory into their hands. But here's something I think that's so important that we realize is no matter how hard we fight, because a lot of times in our life, the faith battles that we fight are not easy. I mean, James Spurgeon's wife was worried not only for herself, but for her family, for her children, to trust that God's going to provide when it just doesn't, you don't see the way. Sometimes these faith battles that we fight are so difficult, and they're long, and they make us weary, and we feel beat down, and sometimes we don't feel like we can keep going on. But when God does deliver, because we believe that God is faithful and you will, when God does deliver, all glory goes to him. The army fought through the night, fought two days. The glory did not go to the men in the army. They put up a tremendous struggle. They fought with tremendous bravery. But at the end of the day, at the end of our battles, the end of our struggles, the victory, the glory goes to God. And that's so important for us to remember in our lives because sometimes that's a little difficult to do. So we were created for God's glory. We were created to glorify God. And when you find yourself finally victorious in a battle that you have been fighting, let me encourage you to finish your battle on your knees with your hands lifted to the sky, saying, all glory goes to you, God. Because I never would be here without you. I could never handle any of this without you. Because you are my supply. And because you are in me, I am enough. Not because of who I am, but because of who you are. There's a song that we've been playing before the service on a regular basis here for a month or something like that. Maybe you've heard it. It's called God of the Hills and Valleys. It's actually called Hills and Valleys, but the chorus says God of Hills and Valleys. By a man by the name of Torin Wells. And I'm going to read you some of the words. Here's what he says. I've walked among the shadows, and you've wiped my tears away. I've felt the pain of heartbreak, and I've seen the brighter days. And I've prayed, I prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place. And I've held the blessings that, God, you give and take away. No matter what I have, your grace is enough. And no matter where I am, I'm standing in your love. And this is the part I want you to hear this morning. On the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who set me there. In the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. And when I'm walking through the valley, no, I am not alone. You're the God of the hills and valleys, and I am not alone. 
when you find yourself victorious on the mountaintop, when God delivers because of your faith. All glory goes to the one who got you there. So here's the question. Are you ready? Can you handle it? We often talk about church as being a place where we gather together to recharge our Christian batteries to go out into the world, right? To go out into the world. And as we gather together this morning, hoping to encourage one another and build each other up, the real question is, what are you going to do when you walk out these doors? Are you ready? Who is your faith in? And can you handle it? Maybe you don't feel like you're ready. But if you've put your faith in Jesus, you can handle it. Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let me, again, be clear on this. Paul is not saying that you can magically make that 70-inch 4K UHD TV appear to watch the Eagles and Steelers lose every week. That's not what he's saying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things that God wants me to do according to his will because he strengthens me. And maybe, maybe you are in a place right now where your faith is at rock bottom. And you feel like you have been crying out for so long and God is not listening. He is listening. He's always been listening. And here's a promise that we can hold on to. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, not saying that everything is going to be rosy or that just because you're a Christian, you're going to get a promotion and climb up the ladder in your job. That's not what this is saying. God will always be with you through the trials of life. God will always be with you through the valleys of life. But in everything that happens, God is working for your good. If you've been called according to his purpose. I believe it's time for us as Christians in America to take a step of daring faith. I wholeheartedly believe that Christians, and I think it was very evident, in the 2016 election, Christians were on their knees before God for the election, right? In faith, God, we are praying to you that you would, you would intervene in the election, you would intervene in our country. Are we still on our knees before God? praying that he will intervene in our country, praying that he will guide. Our faith is not something that stops, it continues. Let's have faith. Let's go before God and say, Lord, we are praying for your will. We are praying for your guidance. We are praying that you would fill President Trump and the congressmen and congresswomen and the people of the Senate, Father, with your heart's desires. Not with theirs and not with ours, but with your desires. It's time for us to step out in daring faith. Our world needs it. Our country needs it. 
Our community needs it. And in all honesty, each and every one of our families need all of us to step out in daring faith. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you are a wonderful God. You love us more than we'll ever know. And, and Lord, it is so hard sometimes to step out in faith, to let go of that branch we've been holding on to. Lord, I know there is someone here this morning. There are many here this morning. Father, we, we all go through trials and battles in our lives. There are times we feel like we've been marching all night and we've been fighting for two days and we do not see the end. But Lord, we can hold on to what you say in your word. That all things, God works, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God, may our life's desires be about you and you alone. May our faith not be in our plans or our abilities or our prosperity, but may our faith be in you and in your purpose for our lives. Lord, direct us, guide us, reach into the innermost parts of our heart, Lord, and point us in the direction you want us to go and help us to let go of the branch and to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hymn number 225, Standing on the Promises of God. I'll ask you to stand with me as we sing this closing hymn together. <clears throat> <clears throat> Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of life and doubt prevail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my Lord, bound to him eternally by some strong cord, overcoming daily with the spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God. Standing. Of God, my Savior, standing, 
Standing on the promises I cannot fail Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of Father, we thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have of gathering together once more to study your word, to praise and honor your name. Now, Father, as we scatter as a church, we pray, Lord, that we would have the faith that we can stand on the promises of God. Just thank you for the challenging message of the morning, and we pray, Lord, as we scatter that each one of us might look to you for guidance and direction. Thank you for all you've done, for what you will do, and we'll be careful to give you the praise. For it's in your name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed.